Hello, and good evening, all you vamps, wolves, ghouls, and everything else in between. I'm She-Wolf, your host. Let's talk horror. Tonight, I bring you top five favorite vampire films. Let's get started. Number five, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Released in November 13, 1992. And the most legendary cast. Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder, Keanu Reeves, and Anthony Hopkins. Count Dracula, a 15th century prince is condemned to live off the blood live off the blood of the living for eternity. A young lawyer, Jonathan Harker, is sent to Dracula's castle to finalize a land deal. But when the count sees a photo of Harker's fiance, Mina, the spitting image of his dead wife, he imprisons him and sets off for London to track her down. Now, <laughs> if you guys haven't seen this film before, or haven't even heard of Dracula, this is just basically one of the many films of the interpretation of the Dracula story. That he was known as, he was known as Vlad the Impaler. Because he was known for impaling his, impaling his victims and... And he was basically bloodthirsty. The blood, like the bloodthirst part got to from where he would literally, like, 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 it almost like he would literally eat dinner while his, while his victims were dying. And when they, I mean, and when he impaled, when he impaled them, it took them forever to die. So he would just sit there and eat and watch them like a, bloodthirsty vampire (laughs) but yeah this is one of the many interpretations of Dracula which is basically it's basically like a tragic love story it's basically giving him like giving him a little more empathy to the audience like he like it's a tragic love story I mean after he comes home in the beginning after he comes home from the war of the from the Turkish from the Turkish soldiers, his his wife Elizabeth is is found is dead because she flung herself in the river because wrongly a wrongly written letter was sent to her that he had that he had actually fallen in battle, but it was a lie, and so she get she put it upon herself to fling herself into the river and commit suicide, which. Back in those days, when very, very heavily Catholic priests would just put it, just let it, let it be known that if you commit suicide, you're damned to hell for eternity. And when Vlad came back, it enraged him because the priest would just just basically tell Vlad straight up, "Hey, she committed suicide." It's it's damn it's damned her soul. She 
she's not going to be in peace. And it it infuriated him. He cursed God. He cursed religion. He just, he flung his sword into into the cross and... And and it just, it cursed him. God cursed him to become a living, breathing, well, undead, living, breathing creature to feed off the blood of the living from. <clears throat> and so, how many years was I think it was like 400 years later. He just he kept himself locked he kept himself locked up in his castle just wasting away. Then Keanu's Keanu's character, a lawyer, who came to finalize a like I said earlier, a land deal. And um he came to sign to have him sign some papers and and this place and the, his place is just like dusty, filled with cobwebs and just and it's just got a weird vibe to it, and just Keanu's just not. Keanu's just not all for it, which I wouldn't blame him. But, but after after the papers are finalized, he Dracula sees a picture. Excuse me. After he sees a picture of Jonathan's fiance, in. And it's Winona, Winona Ryder's character, Mina, 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 and it looks like uncannily, uncanny, sorry, resemblance to his wife, Elizabeth. And so it just, it, he took it upon himself to, to go off to London and, and, and search her out because because of his because after 400 years of mourning he finally thought he could be he could he could find love again with Mina which it turned out being more like stalker like and like manipulating and I mean yes when when Mina finally I mean after after they got off the after they got rid of the, not, after they, sorry, after he kind of stopped the whole stalker thing, Mina got into it and let him in. And she started falling in love with him. And that is when, that is while, let me, let me clarify. Jonathan's still not back, okay? Like I said, like I said, like I said earlier, he locked Jonathan away in his castle with his brides and why well, I say brides they were more like concubines because he didn't care he didn't really love them they were just company for him for whenever he got lonely <clears throat> but no he really he wanted Mina to be his bride bride yeah yeah and while Jonathan's friggin being like tortured and bled nearly to death because the women are feeding off of him like constantly day after day but enough to keep him alive so they can keep feeding off of him but still and this is happening while fucking Mina is having 
an affair with Dracula while he's gone. And if you guys don't remember or don't know, Mina has a best friend named Lucy, which she was having a whole bunch of stuff going on with her, but... While Dracula was trying to lure Mina in, but I digress. Which, really... I mean, this is... I mean, yeah, this is number five, but this is, like, one of my favorite interpretations of Dracula. Because it's just... Dracula is just like a resemblance of like a like a lovesick vampire, and we we've seen plenty of lovesick vampires in movies and films, movies and TV. But just four hundred years of mourning his dead wife. I mean, good God! And then by chance finding an interpretation of her, and I mean. I mean, it could have gotten it could have gone a whole lot better if he if he didn't get all evil and possessive and then. But it just it just kind of it kind of makes you empathize with him because he just he fought he fights so hard for her, and and he just I mean yeah it kind of just gets crazy towards the end but it is you can just. I mean, it's it's just basically like a dark gothic love story. That ends up a bloodshed. <laughs> but at least in this interpretation, Dracula actually finds his peace. And then he just, he just goes off. He just dies and finds his peace. But anyway. Number four, Blade, directed by Stephen Norrington, Norrington, yeah, produced by Peter Frank, Frankford, what, and Wesley Snipes, and, and Robert Engelman, thought you thought, you thought I was going to say Robert England, huh, <laughs> no, but, um, and casted by none other than Wesley Snipes, the star of the movie, who plays Blade, and um, Chris, Christop, uh, Chris, Tofferson. Sorry if I mis misread mis said your name. Stephen Dorff, Donald Logue, Sana Lanthel, Lath. Lathan, sorry. In in Bush Wright. And this movie was made in August twenty one August twenty first, nineteen ninety eight. A half mortal, half vampire is out for revenge for his mother's death and rid and rid the world and tries to rid the world of all vampires. The modern day tech technologically advanced vampires he is he's going after are in search for his special blood type needed to summon an evil god who plays a key who plays a key role in their plan to execute the human race now blade is the whole series actually is basically almost talked about not really like 
kind of like foreshadowing that the vampires want to get rid of the human race. I mean, humans are the source of their food. I mean, I mean, why would you want to get, I mean, you can't, you can't get rid of all of them. I mean, when it comes to our society, I mean, I mean, what, what are, what are the, what would the vampires do if all the humans didn't, if all the humans were just eradicated? I mean, really, you would end up having to live like, live like the vampire, like most of the vampires on true, on true blood, living, living off of synthetic blood. I mean, who the hell wants that? But anyway, I digress. But basically, but in the first one, this is what we're talking about here. Like this blade is just like set off on killing all vampires. And um, who would blame him? Because vamp- a vampire is what killed his mother, and is what turned him into this half, half mortal, half vampire thing that makes him, that makes him want to drink that drink blood of the living. And the poor guy, he always go through this conflict of thirst, and you can just tell that he just he struggles a lot during the films, constantly. I mean, he he actually he actually lives off synthetic blood. I mean, I wouldn't really call it blood. I mean, he calls it serum because he has to inject it into himself to just to curb the thirst. It's sad. But what's really funny about all these films is that he in the end, like during the big battle scenes, he actually has to consume blood to make himself stronger. That's what I always find funny because something always happens to him. He loses blood. He loses a lot of blood, and he has to. And he has to regenerate by having human blood. So I always think that's funny, and it always makes him. And it always ends up making him even like a hundred times more stronger. <laughs> but to the actual point, to the first film, I'm so sorry. But like, yeah. But yeah. But he's basically after one specific vampire, and his name is Frost. A real, he's a real rebel. Frost is, and and the vampire, and the vampire community, and the vampire society. However, because I love movies like this, because you have like, like, like vampires actually have their own society. They have their own government. They have their own council. They have their own clans, even their own little it's insignia and little brands and stuff that they have to to signify what faction they belong to i mean it's very it's very it's very cool but um yeah frost is like full-on he's a he's just He's a kind of vampire who just... He's one of the vampires that basically claims humans as, like, cattle. Like, we're nothing to him. We're just... We're just sacks of blood just waiting to be thirst... Just waiting to be fed on. Which probably half the vampire population thinks that, but... But there are some in the vampire... But there are a lot in the vampire community who would believe that we are a tribute to their society and we they can coexist with us 
we don't have they don't have to eradicate all of us like frost thinks like frost thinks they should but frost is obsessed with this with this god called what they call the blood god and i think they call him <clears throat> excuse me crap what did they call him I'm so sorry that I forgot. But if you guys know, please drop it down in the comments whenever you come on my page after the after this after this podcast. But yeah, he's obsessed with the blood god and what the blood god entails. See if they if they raise the blood god, if they do this ritual that blade is the key of. See they need his blood. They need his half human, half half vampire blood to summon him. And if they and if they succeed, then then all the humans, all the humans in the world, be eradicated. They basically be turning into vampires or dead, and just there just be it'd be absolute chaos. I mean, seriously, why why do vampire movies like this? Why do the vampires always think that humans should be eradicated when they know they are there we are the source of their food? I mean, yes, if I was a vampire, I would go around and kill people nonstop, but still there's a there's a line when it comes to drink when it comes to human blood when it comes to humans going missing. And no, and nothing being noticed about it. I mean, but when it comes to vampire movies like this, like Blade, they actually they actually have connections with the police. So when some when some humans go missing, it's not even really noticed. But I'm sure if a lot of humans go missing, like hundreds and thousands, there'd be a there'd be a little problem. number three interview with the vampire see this movie gives out the more eloquent side of vampirism directed by neil jordan Released in November 11, 1994. Another legendary cast, in my opinion. Tom Cruise, Kristen Dunst, Brad Pitt, Christian Slater, and Antonio Banderas. And also, this movie is based off the book of Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire. Born as a 18th century lord, Louis, or Louis whichever however you want to say it played by Brad Pitt is is now is now a bicentil bicentile I am so sorry if I'm saying this wrong bicentile vampire telling his story to an eager biography biographer sorry Christian Slater suicidal after the death of his family he he meets Lestat, played by Tom Cruise, a vampire who precedes, pursues him, 
persuades him, sorry, to a choice to choose immortality over death and become his companion. Eventually, gentle Louis resolves resolves to leave his violent marker, but Lestat guilts him into staying to staying by turning a young girl played by Christian played by Christian Dunst who's who who's addition who's the addition to the to the family breeds even more conflict <sighs> I love this movie I have not watched it forever but I still love it all the same Poor, 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 poor Louis. Brad Pitt's character. He, another, another example of the, well, no, I wouldn't say he's blood sick. He's more like broody and he's broody and just solemn and just, he hates himself. He hates what he became. I mean, I mean, granted, he didn't have really much more of a choice. Otherwise, he was going to die. I mean, he was set on killing himself anyway. But once Lestat got a hold of him. Oh, Lestat. Fucking prick. Played by... Man, Tom Cruise did a really good job of this character. Because, man, Lestat is just obsessed with keeping Louis in his company. Because... I mean, we all know about vampires that they live forever, and immortality can sometimes be pretty boring if you live it by yourself. Which I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Lestat getting a companion for eternity if he wasn't just, if he wasn't so, uh, if he would just not be such a douche and just. I mean, well, Lestat. Had a very... He he loves to kill. He loves... He loves the he loves the hunt. He loves... He loves the blood. I mean, who wouldn't as a vampire? But... Just... Louis is trying to let out his immortality. And just... But the constant hunger. That's the worst thing for a vampire. And that's the worst thing for him. He doesn't want to hurt people. But yet he gets the he gets those urges and then he hates himself afterwards. This that's like that reminds me of Stefan, Stefan from Vampire Diaries. Like we we all know if you've seen that show, when Stefan goes into Ripper mode, he kills people relentlessly and just he rip he rips them apart, puts them back together, and just and just has. The, just, just pour, just like pours of emo, the emotion just pours out and just constant, constant reluctance. Well, not reluctance. The empathy and the and the remorse that comes after is just unbelievable. That's exactly how Louis is because after he feeds, he just he feels bad. And then he just like he stars himself for days on end because he just he just he hate what he became. And then Lestat constantly tempting him and tempting him and pushing his buttons and just making him see that 
immortality is a gift and you need to and you just need to enjoy it and not sit around and all broody which if anybody knows me if I was a freaking vampire I would revel revel in the immortality but Lestat he was just ugh the constant just Ugh, I don't even know how I don't even know the words because he was just horrible. Just constantly, just every time they would he would hunt, he would bring it home to Louie and just tempt him. Constantly tempt him to drink. To end the hunger. I mean just and Louis just going through this cycle of and just Lestat just like constantly Making him feel guilty if he leaves. If if Lou even tries to leave. It's just, it's just immortality. Man, I could just imagine if you were doing it by yourself, you would constantly be bored and just you need some you need someone to share it with. I mean But just the constant shit that Lestat put him through. And then Christian Dunn's character, Claudia. Little Claudia. A little girl. A little girl. If there's one thing you do not do as a vampire, you do not turn a child. <laughs> Especially as young as Claudia. Because, good God, they do not know how to they do not have portion control when it comes to feeding they do not they I mean cause man whenever every time she was hungry she would just go and she was constantly hungry you had to keep her you had to keep kept her fed like every couple hours god having a little girl like that as a vampire on your tail you have you would I mean you would constantly have to move because <laughs> you would pile bodies like just pile bodies I mean it's ridiculous and then you know Louis Louis and Lestat after and especially Lestat Lestat turned her because he was Louis was going to leave because he got tired of Lestat shit. And he turned Claudia just out of spite so he wouldn't leave. Because he knew Louis would help take care of her. And it would he he wouldn't go anywhere. He wouldn't He was Louis was literally trapped. And so was Claudia. But Claudia as a child, didn't understand that, especially, I mean, when you're an adult, it's one thing, you get to stay, you get to stay as young as you were in life forever, but as a little girl, she can't age anymore, she can't, she can't go, she can't grow older, she can't get taller, she can't gain things that a woman had that she was eager for, and this got her curious about 
one one night she got curious about a woman that she saw in a in a window the body she had and um she wanted to be her she wanted to she wanted to become her she wanted to become that woman she wanted to have the body the the face just everything that a woman was that she wanted to be and so one night I'm so sorry, excuse me. One night while she was, I think she was writing in a journal. Surrounded by her mini dolls, as Lestat wanted to spoil her with. Treating her basically like a baby, which she wasn't, which she wasn't having it anymore. <laughs> then... Lestat was trying to butter her up because he had made her mad, which he always makes somebody mad. And then he wants to butter her up. And then she, she has a tantrum, like all children do when they get angry. Throwing all her, throwing all her dolls on the floor. And then she, they found there was the girl that she had found. And... They kept, she kept her in the bed to rot. Like it was gonna do. Like it was gonna do anything. Like it was gonna do anything for her. For her. After she fed, and she just got all upset because she's a. She got obsessed with the fact that she can't grow up. She can't. Cause she had been a vampire for who God knows who who knows how long. And um. She didn't. She hasn't gotten taller. She hadn't. She hadn't gotten older. She just. She hadn't aged at all. And um, it just it put her into a frenzy, and it made her. It just, it made her hateless. That, and not I mean. Was that's the one that turned her? But Louie's the one that drank almost drained her to death. But she didn't hate Louis because Louis was her favorite. She loved Louis like a father or maybe like a brother. But so they made a plan to kill Lestat because he just, whatever they do, however hard they tried, he would not let them go. Because Lestat was just obsessed with having someone with him at all times. But I'm not going to spoil it for you. So, if you haven't seen the movie, you need to watch it and see for yourself what happened next. Number two. Queen of the Damned. Another one of my favorite vampire movies. Which I have not seen in forever. By the way. But it was directed by Michael Rammer, music by Richard Gibbs and Jonathan Davis. Speaking of the music, the music is awesome. I think the music is very unique among all films that's ever made, especially vampire films. I mean, it's very, it's very, very good. Love the music in it. This, this movie was released February 22nd, 2002. And the cast 
Rest in peace, the the R.I.P. Alea. Stuart Townsend, Margaret Maru. Uh, I'm so sorry if I missed your name. Vincent Perez and Lena Olin. This movie follows the legendary vampire Lestat, played by Stuart Townsend. And by the way, this is a different version of Lestat. By the way, not the not the Tom Cruise version. Who has rein reinvented himself as a rock star in the contemporary American music scene. His music wakes up, awakens Akasha, played by Alea, the queen of the vampires, and inspires her to, inspires her desire to make Lestat her queen. Akasha malevolently power malevolent power Akasha's a, a malevolent power, I'm so sorry, is so great that all the the, 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 the that all the immortal vampires must stand against her if they want to survive. Meanwhile, a young London woman with a fascination for the dark side, played by Margaret Moru, falls in love with Lestat. Again, this is another one of my favorite films, and this is like a, and this is a different version of Lestat, not the one portrayed by portrayed by um not like the one portrayed by Tom Cruise. Stuart this isn't this is I like I liked Stuart Townsend's Lestat very much. He did a really good job. Oh yeah. This movie is basically basically about him wanting to be like in the spotlight which he basically which he is because when he got turned back when he was a back when he was a lord and Lord in like France in France, I think like in the oh god how how long I, how long I can't remember I'm so sorry, but yeah he was a French lord and he had gotten taken. By a name, by a man named Marius, who was gonna be his, who was gonna be his sire, or vampire daddy, however you wanna name the person who calls you, the person who turned you. But yeah, when he got turned, he was just he was obsessed, not obsessed, but he was he was so he was liber he was like it was like he was liberated. He was so interested in. In human life, in music, in art, especially music, he got real interested in music. Whenever he, whenever he found a girl playing a violin, one night, whenever him and Marius were roaming around a, a beach one night, one of many, of many nights that Marius was teaching him and mentoring him on how to feed and survive and. Just all the things to being a vampire. He sees this girl. 
and the with the violin and she and if the music he play she plays intrigues her and he go he he goes to her and there's another violin there and he starts playing because of his vampire skills he he's pretty miraculously good at it but then his vamp eyes come out and i guess the girl's father or something told her to run away because of what he was and marius had no choice but to but to kill him to make sure that they weren't exposed and poorless that he 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 um he went to her and he 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 didn't want to kill her but he ended up snapping her neck and it made him feel terribly guilty because he it basically he didn't even know her but he had a connection with her cuz it was cuz it was through her music that it just it connected with him and he didn't even know her but him snapping her neck it just it, it just made him feel guilty and not only that it just Marius kept telling him that you can't be known to the world. You have to be dead to the world because you're a vampire and you have to feed off the blood of the living. And that causes attention when when you feed and people and people find out what you are. A monstrous, fanged, crazy-eyed beast. Which in Marius' in Marius's way, it was his way, it was the way he was protecting humans. And his, in his basically, in his logic, in his teachings. <clears throat> but there on in, lest that do what he was told in him, but he kept the violin. He kept the violin that the girl played with because... Just to just to just to have her just to have her in his memory, and he would play, he would practice, and he got really good. And then one day, or one night, his his violin playing kind of got the attention of a stoned, a statued like Akasha, who was played by Alea. Now, Lestat didn't know anything about Akasha until that night. But she was put to stone because... See, this is cool. I mean, when vampires... When vampires, like, like, die in a way... They, like, turn... Or when they just... I don't know what happens to them. I don't know how it happened. They, it, she just she turned to stone one day. Excuse me. And she was kept in the underground of um, Marius's Marius's place, which he was keeping her. He was keeping there. He was keeping her there for a reason. And um, so that we list that wouldn't know about her or be tempted by her. He found her in her statue form 
and lord behold she moved granted it was just her arm but <laughs> but she was she was giving him a taste of her blood and he did stupidly marius sensed it and tried to stop and and stopped him and now they had her blood and his system and made him pretty powerful and this is this causes marius to be this causes marius to warn him that that akasha is not someone you need to mess with she's not she needs to be left alone in that state because back in her day she was bloodthirsty and just like frost from late she thought of humans of nothing but food and that they, they that they need to but not that they need to be eradicated but they need to really to be really to more like slaves like they needed to live underneath vampires because vampires are known as are known to be apex predators and so they wanted to be treated like treated she wanted to be treated like one and and to be ruled and to be to, to to rule and to be respected and to be feared more feared than respected but i digress but lestat got tempted but lestat got tempted by her blood as akasha wanted it made marius want to leave him and this enraged lestat because Leaving a vampire alone, especially for eternity, especially after from the one that made you, it's lonely. It's very lonely, and it's very. I mean, vampires can keep a grudge for like a thousand, like thousands of years, or or how long that, or ever how long they've been alive. <clears throat> but. It was a hundred years that that he had Lestat seen Marius, and he actually had felt he actually had put himself to sleep for those hundred years, and um, <clears throat> and um, and oh, and again, music, answers music, awoke him. After those hundred years, he woken up to a sound of of a group of kids playing. Like I think they were doing a demo or something, and um, it awoke him. And um, he just he put it upon himself to find them, and and he put himself into their band and. And if any of you don't, and if any of you ever seen the film and you don't know, his singing was actually voiced by the guy who, who's the lead singer of Korn. When I first seen this movie, I didn't know that. But if you have seen it and you didn't know, or if you had, or if you haven't seen it and you didn't, you still didn't know, that's who, that's who it is. The lead singer of Korn. Yeah. And speaking of Lestat's voice in this in the mo in the movie his voice 
interest and like like attracted a lot of people, even the vampires. And the and, and speaking of the vampires, his music, and he and he and he made himself public. He, not just himself, but he made the whole vampire community public after he after he got big and after he got big and he had his label and stuff and when people didn't really believe him they thought it was just a gimmick but little by little everybody starts to believe it because he starts he starts spouting out vampire secrets that he should not be spouting out and this makes all the little all the little factions of vampires excuse me pissed because he had no right to had to to blurt all that out because I mean because if humans like in this lifetime if humans found out that vampires existed how would you think they would react if if they knew I mean. Just like in True Blood, when vampires came out of the coffin, there was constantly people trying to kill them. And, well, not constantly, because a lot of people, I mean, people were scared of them. But, I mean, there were people, like, wanting to, like, exterminate them. And, I mean, that's something the vampires don't want. I mean, especially with how our government, how the weapons that our government has and just all that, I mean... There's a reason why vampires want to be left alone and kept secret. But yeah, him spouting that shit out pissed them off and they tried to go after him. And this girl who's a part of this ancient, this ancient, I think they're, I think there's like an ancient order or something that they constantly... That they're like, they're like keeping track of like the like the supernatural realm or something, or like paranormal activity. Like they observe it and stuff. Like she even she's she's studied him, and she did when she discovered him, she just she felt interested in him and she tried to look for him, trying putting herself in danger, obviously. And when she finally found him, she he tried his hardest not to get attached to her. But him and you know with him and human beings, he's 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 so interested in them because they're so fragile and they're they don't live long and and just it's it's a very interesting thing for him but she just she just she she won't but she won't stop though because she's so interested in the in the dark realm in the vampire the vampire world and she wants to be a part of it and so she tries to get him to turn her but he won't have it because because she thought he thought it's a crazy idea for a human to actually be one of them. I mean, he didn't have a choice. Most vampires who get turned don't have a choice to be what they are, and they and they're constantly in moments living in re- living in regret 
that they have to live the way that they live. Lestat is kind of one of those. I mean, yes, he still lets off of human blood and stuff, and he, he kind of enjoys the kill, but still. He, he, human beings are, are a precious thing to him, and he, he wanted to keep, he wanted to keep her human, just so she could live out her life and not have to live, live for an eternity for with, with the lust for human blood. But deep down inside, he wanted someone with him. He wanted he wanted to share his immortality with someone. Mm. I mean, like he got left. Lamarius left him alone for a hundred years, and he was alone. So, like I talked about earlier, immortality can be very lonely for a vampire. I mean, I mean, immortality is really kind of boring, like I said, and it's really not enough to live forever if you don't have someone to live forever with. <clears throat> but continuing with the story... But all of this, yeah. Oh, excuse me again. I'm so sorry, you guys. Yeah, continuing on with the story. Akasha, again, later on. Hear me. Because of, because of the uniqueness of Lestat's music, it woke her up. She awoke. And just like I said earlier, when I woke her up, she was obsessed to making Lestat her 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 king and ruling the human race. So she finds him and she she just she takes him away and tries to tempt him into becoming her king and making human beings, making human beings their their slaves, or because they because to her they're just like cattle. Problem was that one, but one It doesn't take long to for Lestat to realize that she's not here for him. Really, she's just here to rule the human race as she thinks is right. And, um, there's a small faction of vampires who, who, who vowed to kill her. Marius is one of them. It's another reason why he was gone for that, for that, for so long. That if Akasha should ever arise and he knew she would come for Lestat, he would have to, he would have to help stop her. And one of the vampires is actually, and well, actually, the young girl, Jessie, 
who I didn't say but who I didn't who I didn't say before. I'm so sorry. One of one of the vampires is actually her aunt, who I think who I think who was played by Lena Lena Olin. She had got turned into a vampire when Jesse was young. And she and Marius had this faction of vampires to eradicate Akasha. Because she was trying to turn the side against them and against and against and against Jesse. So Akasha tried to get plus side to kill Jesse to prove that to prove her to prove his loyalty and to that and that she meant nothing to him. Which was a lie because he he fell in love with her. <clears throat> but in his in this little a coup, they finally they finally got the opportunity to kill her. She was vulnerable. And what's cool is that when she offers her blood, she is vulnerable, like I said. And so they rush they rush to they rush to feed on her to death because once a vampire once she gets once a vampire gets fed on, especially a vampire as powerful as her and as old as her, she basically turns she turns to dust. And especially with the powers that she has she could walk into the sun she can walk in the sunlight she could live in the daylight i mean drinking enough of her blood could let you live in the sunlight and so they fed on her just enough to 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 kill her but but it's always said in the film if you kill if you kill her that You'll take you'll take your your final death her final death with you. And so they drink enough to where they drink enough blood to where they won't they won't die, but enough to where she will. And so they finally drank enough to where she just just like evaporates into dust. But one of the vampires, uh, Jesse's aunt, Margaret, I think is what her name was. She took the last, last of Akasha's blood. But it doesn't, but it doesn't kill her per se. It basically puts her to sleep. And I'm sure if someone did something like with her blood or with their blood they would they'd be able to wake her up but anyway after that whole ordeal let's that actually turn jesse because when akasha made her made him drain her he didn't drain her completely he actually did it enough to where he could actually turn her and then got to live happily ever after. Jesse got what she wanted. She got to be with him for eternity. 
And even though he was wholly against it at first, he knew he could he wouldn't be able to live without her. And so they got to walk into into the greatest ending sequence ever. They got to walk into eternity together. And finally, we're at number one. Underworld! This is my top number one personal favorite vampire movie ever. If you not see if you have not seen it, what have you what have you been doing with your life, people? Seriously. Okay. Directed by Lynn Wiseman. Writers Kevin Grievous Storyline, also Lynn Wiseman, and Danny McBride. The cast of Starring the Queen Bee herself, my vampire, my vampire warrior, Kate Beckinsale, Scott Speedman, Michael Sheen, Shane Broyley, and Bill Knightley. He plays a great fucking villain, by the way. Great villain. Celine, a vampire warrior, is interesting. Entranced, entranced in the conflict between vampires and werewolves, while falling in love with Michael, a human who is sought by by werewolves for unknown reasons. Those reasons being his blood, by the way. Now, if you have not seen this damn movie, I'm going to spoil the shit out of it for you. But see, Sling is a vampire warrior or death dealer, as they like to call the the gun-wielding vampire warriors in their coven or covens. There's many. There's several covens. Again, this is one of my up top up up top favorite vampire films ever. Not just because of Kate Beckinsale. If anybody knows me and they know I fucking like Kate Beckinsale or love and love Kate Beckinsale, that is not the only reason why. It's the story. Because Celine, as you know, like I just said, a death dealer who is in this coven of vampires. Clan, coven, faction. There's plenty of things a vampire vampire a group of vampires are known for but she's been a vampire for 600 years because she got turned she was actually put in the middle of the war really because her family or her father anyway was actually connected to bill Knighty's character victor who was basically the leader of the coven at that time 600 years ago he had found Celine and turned her because because she was trying to avenge her family at that at that time and something happened to her and well she found her father dead and Victor had found her and he turned her 
and and since then she's been avenging her family ever since because the battle between the vampires and the werewolves had just destroyed her whole family and she'd been 